Hello, my name is Beth. I am a midwife, mum of four, and founder of the Bumps Baby Chapter. Um, welcome to Midwife at Your Cervix podcast. So in this episode, I wanted to go through some of my most asked questions that I get as a midwife. So I often do uh, Q&As on my Instagram at the Bumps Baby Chapter. So I have used the questions from these to answer them all in this episode. So here we go. Will I poo in labour? So it's actually really, really normal for women to poo in labour. And as midwives, we actually get a little bit excited when we see poo come in um, because it means that baby is not far behind. So if you think about how close your uh, vagina is to your back passage, if baby's head is moving down through your vagina, if you've got any poo in your back passage, then baby's head uh, will just kind of push it out. Um, and then also, obviously, you're pushing as well. You're pushing in the same way as if you were having a poo. So, yeah, it is really, really common. It is nothing to worry about. As midwives, we see it all the time. We are very discreet about it as well. So if you do do a poo, um, then we would just, like, catch it if you're in the water. So we would just scoop it out um, and then get rid of it. And then if you are, like, lying on your side on the bed or on all fours or whatever position you're in, we would just move it away and get rid of it and, and nobody would know. The worst thing that you can do for yourself is to worry so much about pooing that it then prevents you from pushing. So just go for it. Put that thought out of your mind um, and then just focus on the fact that if you're feeling that way, it means that your baby is going to be in your arms really, really soon. I have reduced movements. What do I need to do? So if you are noticing in your pregnancy that you have got reduced movements or a change in your baby's movement pattern, then you need to call your maternity advice line or triage. And um, you should have a number on the front of your notes that your midwife has said to you, this is the number that you need to call if you're worried about anything. And it is a kind of like, it will be a hospital-based number, so a triage um, or the maternity advice line. The first time you might feel your baby move, uh, maybe 16 weeks. Uh, some women feel uh, around 20, 21 weeks, and, and this is all really normal. And in those early weeks, so around that time, 16, 20, 21 weeks, it can be quite sporadic when you feel baby move. So one day you might feel like you are, you, you know, you can feel those movements, and then the next day you might be thinking, I'm not sure if I have felt baby move today. And prior to 24 weeks, that is okay. So it can still be quite sporadic but after the 24 week mark you should really be feeling your baby move more and more each day and then in your third trimester um, movements stay the same so you might notice that movements feel different but the frequency and strength of your movements should still be the same in your third trimester so if you ever notice that there's a change or a reduction then you do need to call your maternity advice line. So what actually is hypnobirthing? So everybody explains hypnobirthing really differently. Um, so for me, hypnobirthing is a type of birth preparation that focuses on how to keep yourself calm um, in labor or birth, cesarean birth, um, and also how to change your mindset surrounding birth. So you know how many negative birth stories that there are around like it's conditioned in us from films stories that we've heard as well 
that giving birth is something to be scared of. It's really painful. Um, you know, it's often shown on telly as quite a dramatic, entertaining thing. Um, and, and that's actually quite damaging to women because then when it's our, when it's our time to go into labor, we are filled with fear. And hypnobirthing is about changing that mindset and changing that at attitude towards giving birth and then learning things about your body, your hormones, your physiology so that you can um, stack the odds in your favor um, for birth to go your well, uh, your way and um, how to like uh, sustain control of your hormones, your oxytocin, reduce your adrenaline. Personally, I match hypnobirthing with antenatal education. I don't think that you can do one without the other because if you're doing hypnobirthing uh, so you know how to keep yourself calm, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to know what is normal and, and what's not, which is what antenatal education provides. So personally, I think it's really important to combine antenatal education with hypnobirthing. What can I do to naturally induce labor? So there are some things that you can do from 34 weeks. So 30, when I say from 34 weeks, I don't mean that you're going to start inducing your labor at 34 weeks. This is just something that can help you avoid an induction when you are due. So just because you're going to do these things now doesn't mean that baby is going to come at 34 weeks. Um, so six dates a day from 34 weeks. Raspberry leaf tea as well. So raspberry leaf tea can be drunk if you haven't had any previous uterine surgery, such as a previous cesarean. And you can drink uh, a cup a day from 34 weeks and then build it up to a few cups a day as you get closer to your due date. So raspberry leaf tea actually is something that we all say, including myself as I just have, that it can be you know, done to reduce your chances of having an induction. But actually the evidence supports it more for shortening your pushing stage of labor. So even if, oh, and also helping your uterus gets back to its pre-pregnancy size again postnatally so the evidence points more to it helping for that um but there is lots of kind of anecdotal evidence that it helps with inducing labor but either way you know it's not going to harm um having having that raspberry leaf tea so those are the two things you can do from 34 weeks when you are due um so around your due date clary sage so again this is something that you would only be advised to use if you didn't have any previous um, uterine surgery also if you've had a previous quick labor before um, or if you've got anything else going on um, in your pregnancy then I would always just run it past your midwife first but if you do choose to use clary sage clary sage is an essential oil and you can either mix it with 10 mils of milk and then put it in your bath so just a couple of drops in milk and then put it in your bath the milk allows it to mix in with the water because what you don't want is essential oil sitting on the surface of the water because then it's neat on your skin and, and that's not um, a good way to use essential oils. Um, you could also mix it with 10 mils of oil. So any oil really that you have, olive oil, coconut oil, um, you can mix it with that and then you can massage it. You know, you can have a shoulder massage, you can rub it onto your bum, um, anything anything is fine or you can just put a couple of drops um, on a swab uh, and just smell it um, but the idea is that clary sage is a uterine stimulant so it will encourage your uterus to contract and um, so that's clary sage 
uh, sex increases your oxytocin and also prostaglandins uh, is found in sperm and prostaglandins uh, is the hormone that uh, softens and ripens your cervix. I hate that word actually ripens, a bit grim isn't it? But you know what I mean, it softens your cervix. Uh, so sex is another thing that you can do for that. So that's increase your oxytocin and the prostaglandins will soften your cervix. Uh, nipple stimulation, again, increases your oxytocin. And then there's your other things as well, such as hot curry, uh, fresh pineapple. These have less research, but again, it's kind of a, a bit fun to do. No harm in, in trying. Uh, walking and curb walking as well. So going up um, put one foot on a curb and one foot on the road and just like walking unevenly sideways steps that's another way that you can um, try these methods are to help baby kind of jiggle around in your pelvis and um, to fit nicely onto your cervix so that's kind of helping with optimal fetal positioning and then obviously walking uh, the gravity is helping put uh, pressure so baby's head is putting pressure on your cervix so those are all some things that you can try you can also just do nothing so you can just sit and chill and read a book and watch some telly and just kind of nap and just really relax and switch off because sometimes we put so much pressure on trying to get our babies out that we actually do the opposite thing and we raise our stress hormone in our body and what we're telling our bodies at this time, if we're stressing and rushing around trying to get babies out, that we're not actually in a safe place to give birth. So sometimes if you feel like you've exhausted, you know, all your sex and your nipple stimulation, your hot curries and all of that jazz, then just try a day of just doing nothing. And the worst thing that can happen with you doing nothing is that you just have a nice relaxing day before you meet your baby. Hey guys, I'm interrupting this podcast to talk to you about the sponsor of today's podcast, which is LV. LV is a brand that I really love for so many reasons. I also feel super lucky because they have given me a discount code to share exclusively with you all. So listen up. LV is a health and lifestyle brand that have developed smarter technology for women and like me are committed to empowering women by developing products aimed at improving their health and lives. Breastfeeding can feel like a full-time job, especially in those early days. Pumping milk can be a great way to share feeding with a partner or friends and family to give you as a new mum a break to either catch up on sleep or just have a well-deserved rest from feeding. The LV Stride is a cutting-edge breast pump from LV. It gives hospital-grade performance, yet is ultra-quiet. It allows you to pump hands-free by placing it in your bra and it is lightweight enough to be comfortably worn under clothing, allowing you to pump whilst you go about your day. Such a lifesaver when you have a new baby in tow. LV are giving you 15% off the LV Stride until the end of July 2023 using the code BUMPTOBABY. That's B-U-M-P-T-O-B-A-B-Y. This discount is not available in conjunction with any other offer. And let's get back to the pod. Do midwives care if I haven't shaved in labor? No. When I'm writing my notes, my birth notes, and I am, you know, going over the labor and the birth, I could not tell you what your vagina looked like. I couldn't tell you if it was shaved. 
I couldn't tell you if you left a little tuft of hair. I literally, I could not remember at all. So no, we do not care. Whatever is most comfortable for you. The one thing I would say is that if you are going to shave, you've got to then think of your regrowth. And what you don't want is regrowth whilst you've got stitches because that's just a bit messy for you. Um, so yeah, as midwives, we don't care. I actually do get women who will say to me after, especially if they've come in, you know, 35 weeks and had their baby at 35 weeks, I'll say, I have my wax booked in for next week or I'm so sorry, I, I haven't shaved and I... We, yeah no we don't care at all and it is it's it's sad that as women we feel like you know when we've got to give birth we've got to have our vaginas and our vulva and our pubic hair looking a, a certain way don't even don't don't worry about shaving at all just do what you feel is best for you so what are some things that I can do that will uh, reduce vaginal tearing um so there is a few things that you can do um, to reduce uh, the chances of having a tear. And this is why I think that birth preparation is so important because there is so many things that you can do to stack the odds in your favour for birth to go your way, such as, you know, tearing. Loads of women want to reduce their chances of tearing, but there are so many women who actually don't want to even Google it or learn anything about it because... They're so scared. And this is a prime example of why it's so important to learn things before. So um, number one, from 34 weeks, you can do perineal massage. Uh, so perineal massage is using some oil and you use your thumbs and you put your thumbs about, you know, like the top of your thumb depth into the vagina. And then you're pushing down and massaging down. So you go two thumbs down. And then you're um, just massaging that bottom bit of your vagina uh, into your perineum. And you can do that a few times a week from 34 weeks. As you get bigger, it may be more challenging to do just because you've got a big bump in the way. Um, so you may, if you feel comfortable asking your par partner, then it's something that your partner can do as well. Um, but just do it for a few minutes uh, a few times a week. So another thing that you can do or you can put on your birth preferences to help reduce your tearing is a warm compress. So a warm compress is something that your midwife can do for you when you are pushing. So she will get a warm swab and then as you are pushing, she will use the warm swab on your perineum and guard your perineum as your baby's head is being born and then on that note as well, communication with your midwife and slowly is also really important as well. So there will be a point in in this pushing when your baby's head is being born that your midwife will say to you, don't push and just blow. And instead of doing almighty pushes, you want to just allow your body and allow your uterus to contract without any effort from you so you will just go <sighs> and so basically your uterus is doing all the work it means that your baby's head will just be born really really slowly um, allowing your perineum time to stretch so I don't mean that this is what you will do from the moment you are pushing it is literally like one contraction where you instead of pushing will just blow like a train um, and that's just so the baby's heads can be born really slowly. 
Um, so yeah, those would be my um, top three top three things to do to put on your birth preferences, and then your perineal massage would be um, something you can do at thirty four weeks. Oh, one other thing as well is uh, your position. So this is one that is, I suppose, harder to do at that time because you want to prioritize what is best for you at that time when you are pushing. So you want to go more with your instincts rather than thinking, I need to be in a certain position because this is going to reduce my tearing. But if you are easy in whichever position you want to go in, um, then pushing on your left side is a position that frees up your pelvis. So you give your pelvis a lot of um, space to move so your coccyx can move out of the way because you're on your side. Um, but it also uh, reduces the chances of tearing as well. And that's pushing on your left side. What are some things that I should be writing on my birth preference list? So I think the most important things to put on your birth preferences is the things that you want to communicate with your midwife, but you know that at that time when you're contracting, you are not going to be wanting to have, you know, a full-on conversation. So it will be things like, I am using breathing techniques. I am counting in for four. I'm breathing out for seven. If I feel like I'm losing control or if I look like I'm losing control, please can you remind me of my breathing in for four, out for seven. Or it could be your favorite birth affirmations. Like I am strong enough to walk whichever path my birth takes. So you could put your favorite birth affirmations on there so that your midwife can remind you of them again when you're feel, feeling like you are losing control. Also, what your plan is for um, if you wanted to use a TENS machine, if you wanted to use essential oils, if you want to use water, if you want to be reminded to change position. So having sometimes what I have seen some women do is like have a scale. So they might put that number one is a TENS machine, number two is water, Number three is Gastonair, four is Dimorphine, five is an epidural, or, you know, it could be number one, epidural, number two, Gastonair, number three, Dimorphine. Like, you you would put your preferences and what you would like for your pain relief. And then also, I would put eBrand, so the birth preference list that I have attached to the birth chapter online antenatal hypnobirthing course, eBrand is like in a big boxed off um, part of that. And and that is something that is showing to your midwife that you would like to know every time you're given a choice, you would like to know, is this an emergency? What are the benefits? What are the risks? What are the alternatives? And what happens if I do nothing? So it's these things that are showing your midwife what type of birth you would you want. What can I say no to and what can I decline during birth? So the answer to that is everything and anything, basically. So you don't have to do anything that you don't want to. The, the, the choice is always up to you on the things that you are offered. But I would always encourage you to make sure that you are making an informed decision. What I don't want anybody to do is make a choice or decline something because, at, because of fear. Try and base your information or try and base your choice on weighing up the benefits the risks and the alternatives and if you've looked at all of your choices and then you choose to decline it then you should be supported in that decision so I've had my 20-week scan 
and I have a low-lying placenta, will I need to have a cesarean birth? So having a low-lying placenta at 20 weeks is fairly common. It is because your uterus is still quite small. And as the uterus grows, the placenta often then grows upwards with it. So moves out of the way. So 90% of those with a low-lying placenta at their 20-week scan, 90% of those will then move out the way. Um, and if they've moved out the way, as long as there's like obviously nothing else that's indicating it, um, then your placenta will not be a reason for you to be advised to have a cesarean birth. If your placenta is still low-lying, um, then that will mean that you would need to have a conversation with your consultant obstetrician or your obstetrician um, doctor uh, in the best choice of birth for you and a cesarean birth will be offered to you and discussed with you uh, for those with a low lion placenta uh, after 36 weeks. If I can't have a water birth, can I still use water uh, during my birth? So I would encourage everybody to at least consider using water at some form um, during their birth. Um, because water is such a good therapy. I mean, how many times when you are, uh, you know, if you've got a bad back or if you're feeling crampy or, you know, you've just like even done a bit of exercise and, and your body aches, we, a lot of us turn to water for that. Um, so water is a great form of relaxation as well as soothing our muscles and our body. So if you are advised against going into a birth pool, um, then you can still have a um, use a bath or a shower, a shower whilst you're at home. And then when you get into hospital, uh, you can have still a shower, a bath if there is one available to you. So um, often we have um, CTG monitors um, and the CTG monitors are, you'll have to check with your local hospital, but a lot of them can still be used in water. Um, and then also consider things as well, such as hot water bottles, um, but also, um, you know, like cold flannels, cold um, water sprays as well. Uh, I would encourage you to use, yeah, the heatness from water, but also coldness as well. When will I know where I am going to give birth? So when you have your 36-week appointment uh, with either your midwife or an obstetrician. So if you've had a midwife-led pregnancy, then you will see a midwife at 36 weeks. And it will be at this appointment that you and your midwife will have a discussion about your birth preferences. And including in this birth preferences will be what they advise you give birth. So that could be a midwife-led unit, a home birth, or a consultant-led unit. And then this will be very much a discussion. So you might may say, I really want a home birth or you may say I really want to be on the labour ward because I know I would like an epidural. So that is very much a, an open discussion between you and your midwife and what suits you, you and your pregnancy best. If you are seeing a consultant then you will see an obstetrician at again 36 weeks and it will be at this appointment that you're uh, obstetrician will say this is what we advise and this could be you know a cesarean birth a birth on a labor ward again so a consultant-led birth 
It could be a home birth and it could also be a midwife-led unit. So just because you're consultant-led doesn't mean that you have to go to a consultant-led unit. Um, often there, your pregnancy may be needing input from an obstetrician, but maybe your birth doesn't. So it would very much be an open discussion at that time. And I would always encourage you that if you're not quite seeing eye to eye with your obstetrician, then it is still your choice. So you can still say, what are the benefits? What are the risks? What are the alternatives? And you can then still say, I would still like to birth here, wherever that may be. I know that's not what you advise, but how will you support me in birthing in this place? Um, so it should very much be an open discussion and ultimately it is your decision. My baby is breached and I'm 28 weeks. How do I get my baby to turn? So firstly, it is really common for babies to be breached, especially in your first uh, you know, second trimester. And that's because at this side of your pregnancy, your baby still has lots of room to turn. So it is really normal to have a scan or um, have your midwife palpate your tummy at, for example, 28, 30 weeks and your midwife say, oh, your baby is breached. Uh, that doesn't mean that your baby is still going to be breached the, the whole way because there is still plenty of time for your baby to, to move around. As you get around like 32, 34 weeks, your baby's head becomes the heaviest part of your baby's body, which then naturally, because of, you know, how we stand, it naturally encourages baby to turn into that head down position. So you may not have to do anything and your baby will just turn into the head down position um, by his or herself. Uh, so if you're around the 34 week mark and your baby is breached, then if it is suitable for you, and I would uh, discuss this with, with your midwife um, first, uh, then you could try uh, some positions such as the forward leaning inversion, where you put your, you're kneeling on a sofa and then your head is on the floor. So you're like upside down. Um, and this is something that can be used to spin your baby um, from a breech position into a head position. And then there is also something called moxibustion as well, um, which is mixture of acupuncture and Chinese herbs. You will need to find a moxibustion practitioner in your area. Um, and again, they will discuss with you whether it's appropriate for you um, before going ahead with it but that is actually something that is like supported by evidence as well so there is evidence to support um, moxibustion and you will if your baby is breached around the 34 week time um, then your midwife will refer you for what's called a presentation scan um, and this is where you will just have a scan usually around the 36 week mark 36 37 week mark um, to determine which which where your baby um, is facing. If your baby is breached on the presentation scan, uh, your obstetrician will talk to you about your options and your options would be an ECV, uh, which is called an uh, external cephalic version. And this is where a doctor or a specifically trained midwife will turn your baby so they'll have a scan machine there um, some gas and air as well and they will turn your baby using their hands on the outside of your bump or I should say attempt to turn your baby 
uh, the sec success rate is around 50%. Uh, your other options would be a vaginal breech birth or an elective cesarean. And these would, would all be options that you would need to discuss with your obstetrician. So obviously there was loads of questions um, there that has been covered with a vast uh, variety of different topics. Um, and for me, it is really important to give you as much information as possible um, for your pregnancy and most importantly for your birth as well. There is so much fear and uncertainty and overwhelm surrounding birth and it doesn't have to be like that. Like you can go into your birth feeling confident and empowered and know that you have the tools in your birth to stack the odds in your favor for, for you to get the birth that you want, but then also feel calm and in control in all different birth situations as well. And that there is literally my, um, like my jam. That's my jam because I love birth. Um, it, yeah, it's definitely my thing trying to help women feel more prepared uh, for their birth. So that's what the online antenatal and hypnobirthing course is all about. Um, it has got loads of things in there from how to cope with your contractions, what are contractions, what are the tools that you can have for dealing with contractions, how to keep an induction of labor calm, how to keep a cesarean birth calm. And then there's lots of things in there as well to do with your mindset, um, your hypnobirthing and what you can do to make yourself feel calmer in your pregnancy and how that is going to have an impact on your birth as well. Um, so that's all in the birth chapter, which is an online antenatal and hypnobirthing course with me, midwife Beth. It is important to remember that knowledge is power. Ignorance is bliss does not work when it comes to giving birth. So thanks for listening to my midwife at your cervix Q&A episode. Uh, remember to follow and rate uh, if you enjoyed listening.